Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the MLS Fantasy Insider Podcast, our review of round 18 and preview of round 19. This episode is brought to you, as always, by the community at r slash fantasy MLS at Reddit. Go check that out if you have not already. And the Carly Lloyd Fan Club. No jokes here. Just U.S. Women's National Team pride all around. What do you think? Absolutely. Definitely. And with that being said, I'm going to jump right to introductions, which at this point should go without a need. We have Guy Sanchez from the Fantasy Footy blog. Hello. Footy fantastic blog. I guess I said that wrong. Fantastic. Sorry. Yes, so, it's, sorry. it's all fantastic. Everything is fantastic in the beautiful game. Uh, unfortunately, tonight we had a couple of technical difficulties. Simon was not able to join us due to some microphone problems. And Jason, a.k.a. Jaywoo from the Fantasy Biz website, has some additional coaching obligations that have not uh, ended just yet. Sort of a child not being picked up situation. And ha he might join us later. He might not. But if you're a parent with a kid, pick your kid up from coaching on time. You never know what kind of podcast your coach might have to be on. So, Guy, let's just get right into this. How did your team do for round 18, and what did you think of it in general? Um, my team did well. I got uh, 81 points, moved up a couple of ranks to 14. Uh, happy about that, but it was a rough week for defenses in general. Um, yeah, there was less clean sheets than we're used to seeing, but um, if you invested in some high-powered attackers, you did pretty well. Indeed, unless they were on my team. I, unfortunately, did not share the same success as you did. Uh, a few of my players did early on in the in the week, so that made me very happy, especially on Columbus's side. But as many other people, I did get hit with that injury to Fry early on. I tell you, I was really happy with, with New York, with Miyazaga, with getting five points for those on defending bonus points, even though they allowed two goals. That's, that's a heck of a bargain for 5.7. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> Quite enjoyable. Uh, I did bring in Morales, and so I was happy with that. Not happy with, with Nagel. He's just not coming through for me like I had hoped he would, like he did last year around this time when, when Seattle was without a couple of big guys. But I tell you what, LA screwed me again, just like they do every season, and I just can't account for it. But, yep, I, I really thought Toronto could take more advantage of the loss of LA starting keeper and starting center back. And it just did not happen, and he was my captain, and that was just awful. No, you got to go, Keen. Even as a you know a Timbers fan, you got to go with the hot hand, and I think Keen is primed for a big summer here. Very true, and we'll get into some of that a little bit later with a couple of these questions. First, some housekeeping items, as usual, for everyone to keep in mind. Please check the disciplinary report. There's just some interesting things to look at, especially that red card for Kaká and Espindola. They're not going to be available. What would you think of that red card for Kaká? God, he deserved it, you know? I mean, <laughs> I think I, somebody was saying it was his first straight red of his career. Of his career, exactly. I, I loved just the amount of replays that they spent during the broadcast to show this and, and breaking it down when, yeah, he definitely deserved that you card. Know, I think it's just kind of one of those welcome to the MLS kind of reactions. <laughs> um, because even though people, like, revere him here, you know, I think he got treated with a lot more kid gloves than his other games, and here they just they'll just run into you in the MLS. They don't they don't care. <laughs> do it, so I think maybe it. he was kind of doing a little prison yard, like, okay, next guy that touches me is gonna get stomped on. <laughs> to build his own little street cred. Yeah, stomped on him. There you go. <laughs> so definitely. So keep an eye on that. Also, 
Remember, I know a lot of people had Fry. He is questionable this round at best. Pretty much not playing this round. Uh, he may return for round 20, but that's something to keep an eye on. Fortunately, after the X-ray, Seattle is saying it looks like it's not going to be as bad as they thought, and he should be back soon. So may just be a one-game thing. Uh, at this point, well, you know, we have a question about him later on, Guy. Uh, we'll get some thoughts on that in just a couple minutes. And then a good friend on Twitter, at Caps Scarf, Caps underscore Scarf, is uh, reporting that Ka and Morales are questionable for this weekend. So if you were thinking about getting some guys from Vancouver against Sporting Kansas City, you might want to just take a second to reconsider those. He's usually pretty reliable with those sorts of things. Oh, it looks like Jason may have joined our chat just in time. So we'll give him a few minutes. I'm Are you good. with us, Jason? Yeah. Hey, he's here good? just in time for the questions. Don't worry, we've given a plug already. So all of our listeners who are parents of young soccer children know the importance of being timely when picking up your child. Well, so we were just wrapping some things up. We'll jump back real quick. How did your team do this week? Oh, God. Uh, 40 points, <laughs> I think. Um, really not trying not to think about it. Yeah, a lot of ones, a lot of twos. Uh, must have been some red cards in there. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it. If you guys are still listening after our little mix-up there, thanks for staying with us. We're glad Jason's here. Three of us are going to keep going forward and start answering questions that you all have submitted at r slash fantasy MLS. And so we're just going to jump right into it with a question for Jason. This comes from Stinsmaster42, who wants to know, is it worth holding on to Piatti and Simon with their subpar form, which it feels a little harsh, and Montreal's difficult schedule? Uh, Piatti, I wouldn't take a minus four to move him. I think he's still all right. Um, you know, I would focus on if you have other problems in your team. If everything else is great, and you're really happy, then you know maybe Maidana or Finlay would both be you know budget moves. I think I don't remember how much Piotti is off the top of my head, but not a lot. Um, Simon though I think is not worth keeping. Miazga um, is a much cheaper option. Ellis um, has a similar price and bonus points. Well, he's still like 1.3 million less. So um, I think either of those two are better options personally. So um, <clears throat> I agree with the Piotti assessment. I am going to disagree on Simon. Uh, I was doing a little research on him. Uh, basically, if he gets a yellow card, he's not going to score. Uh, he's had three yellow cards this year, and those three appearances, he scored two, one, and one. It just so happens that two of his yellow cards come in the last three games. Any game that he plays without a yellow card, his average is six points, and those are without clean sheets. So, Simon, if he can keep his head level um, and not get kind of impeded by playing under a caution, he's still a quality guy. So I'm going to hold on to him just because I think that he's kind of getting a feel for it again, and I don't foresee him getting many yellows going forward. So he's had a really good streak of keeping himself clean. It's just kind of a rough go with two yellows in three weeks here. So I'm going to keep him and, and get those CBI points again. I like it. You and I am wrong. <laughs> I'm going to say I was right in the middle of both of you guys because I'm still okay with Simon and I'm still okay with Piotti. Uh, I don't think Piotti is one you can say is not on form. He's, he's gotten several goals and assists within these last few games. So uh, I still think he's a great keep. He's 10 million, so he's right up there with the Lampards and the, and the Gerards of, of the game. So I, I still like him. 
it's true the schedule does get a little rough that away game to sporting Kansas City and then the home game to Seattle. This is round 20, 21, and 22. And then the 22 is New York City away, kind of a revenge maybe for for this match. But then there's a double game week in round 23. I might be willing to hold them both until that time because after the double game week's the bye, a nice time to just reset everything. But I, I agree, Guy hit it right there on the head with some of those numbers that, that Simone generates. And our next question comes from Swagber, number six. Swagby six, sorry. Swagby six. And he says, what are your thoughts on Javenko? Seeing as how LA has dominated at home, I'm taking the two points with a grain of salt. But Toronto looks almost too short-handed for Gio to have anyone to play with. If you were going to drop Gio, what player would you pick up with the extra money? And I have to agree with the second part of your statement that I think this was just a fluke for Gio. LA has been doing excellent at home. Personally, I thought that, that Gio could really take advantage of the defensive weakness that LA was facing. Did not pan out. I still think he's a quality player and that he has done well even when Bradley announced the Rakan before because he himself is a big playmaker that they can rely on. So I, I think he's worth keeping. Yeah, I think it's worth keeping. He has a lot of money. Did I go out of order? No, I didn't. Um, but I am dropping just because he has a lot of money and I need to fix problems elsewhere. So I do plan on picking him up back after the Gold Cup. But as Reed said, you know he's a quality player. He's going to get points regardless. I think the game was a fluke. Um, to your further question, would I spend it all on a forward? I would go with uh, David Villa or Keane after the bye week. Um, if I was spreading the money around, I would pick up Kamara and Higuain with the double game coming up. Mm. And then maybe pick them up after. Yeah, um, to this point in the year, uh, Javinko's not gone back-to-back weeks with two points or less. Um, so he's going to have a bounce-back game. And I think even though you know, Pinedo and um, <clears throat> Gonzalez were out for L.A., we really are seeing how good L.A. is top to bottom through that middle there. Um, and yet, it was a, I mean, Toronto to L.A. is a long ways to go. So I'm going to sure. give him the pass on that. And But if you, like Jason's saying, if you have to move him to free up some funds um, just for strategic purposes, then yeah, you have to invest forward, not backward. So it's all based on kind of how your team needs the funds. I like that. I like that. Forward, not backward. Our next question comes from my own bobblehead. I'm hoping that's a Fallout reference right now. But uh, who wants to know, thoughts on dropping Geo through the Gold Cup and replacing him with Ship? Uh, use this to balance and beef up our back line. You already touched on that, some guy. Yeah, and I'm sorry. I, didn't, I honestly didn't read, <laughs> read ahead to see that. But, uh, yeah, it, you do not take out Geo to put Ship in the lineup. Let's just make that clear. That's that's just not going to work out well for you. Um, and then beefing up the back line. I don't. Who with with Gonzalez out? Who would you even want to beef up with? I, I don't. I don't see that happening. I'm not against dropping Geo if you really want to make a couple of positive changes for your teams with a with a double game week coming up. Ship in a double game week is still probably likely to get less points than Giovinco over the same time. So. I would I would invest in a quality forward if you're going to drop him. 
Yeah, I agree. And I added this question because I thought it was a good follow-up and lets us hit more on the back lines right now. We saw this past week that the goals are starting to come. Clean sheets are starting to get more rare. And I and I feel like more and more people are starting to move to that budget back line. So if you're not already one, running maybe one big guy, sure, I guess you could shift some money there. But not not a lot because it's just not paying off so far in this season. And I would honestly look at some bigger people than ship in and replacing if you're going to do a straight up swap because Chicago is just not getting it together. I know they got a goal against Houston last week on the road, but still Chicago is just having some rough times right now. And I would not really invest heavily in a lot of their players. Yeah, I agree. Even if you're going to use geo as, as the money, you know, and put them elsewhere, I would still pick up someone bigger like fail Harbor or something that will save you a little bit that you can use elsewhere, but not, I wouldn't go down to ship. He does have four home games coming up, but still, it's still Chicago. Yeah, I guess she's kind of waiting to see, um, kind of like the Valeria situation. If McGee starts to come back into more of a close to 90-minute form, because they are slowly bringing him back, I think they're bringing him back yep. almost too slowly at this point, because Chicago needs to get some goals. Um, if McGee comes back in any capacity, that could completely change Chicago's complete lineup. So... Um, Maybe wait and see on that. If you're going to drop Geo when McGee is healthy, go McGee instead of Ship. Yeah, I also think, I mean, Ship's always been a solid four. He needs to be a solid five to be a regular pick. So, yeah. for me, he's just not quite there. He's a good He's a good option some weeks, but. So our next question comes from PDX Soccer Dad. He says, I love sporting Kansas City players. Namath, Malia, Failhaber, cheap defenders but dislike their schedule looking forward. What are our thoughts on the Sporting Kansas City situation? Um, I look at schedule last. First, I would look at form. Then I'd look at bonus points. And then I would look at schedule. Um, Sporting Kansas City is probably the best team in the league. Um, I think that's hidden a little bit by their four or five game in hands, games in hand, depending. They are number one as far as points per game. Um, you know, everyone knows I love Fail Harbor, obviously. Uh, but Beasler and Ellis are both bonus points machines as well. I mean, all three of those are pretty solid picks for for any roster where you don't have to worry about, you know, shifting them out. They don't have a buy until round 27, so you've got a few a few rounds to keep them on the on your roster. I would I would say don't worry about their schedule at all. Yeah, some. and their yeah, their schedule doesn't even look that bad. Like we just mentioned at the top of the show. Um, Vancouver kind of in some turmoil. Jim Morales is obviously not healthy. Khan on the back isn't really being an anchor right now. Um, they benched Rivero last game. So I would, if you believe in some SKC players, I would buy them up and just go forward with that plan because they got some rest. Um, they didn't lose any real big names to the uh, Gold Cup. So that team could be scary good for a fantasy team going forward. Yeah, and their form on the road's been Okay, I mean, you look at the numbers, it's it's still only at a 33% as far as what their possible form could be. But in the last four games, they've only lost one and they've drawn three. So you're looking at potential goals or potential clean sheets with bonus points for that team. So, uh, and, and they've won their last five home games. So Sporting Kansas City is is kind of tearing it up. I, I would not shy away from investing in them during this little run of games. So our next question comes from Yummy Orange Juice, who wants to know, is it worth taking a minus four to get rid of Bruin? Terrible form. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I I went out on a limb. I think the last week or every other week, so uh, saying that Bruin looked like he had a good chance to do well, and I honestly, I think he did. He's he's got some hit and miss form. Houston's had some opportunities recently, but but Bruin just hasn't really been able to come through. So if if you're making some transfers and you want to get rid of Bruin, I think it's worth the minus four for some of the bigger name forwards that are out there. Yeah, I'm not hot on Bruin. I don't know. Every time I hear him doing well, I kind of remember the uh, the beginning of last last season where Houston had that monster game, Bruin had a monster game, and then. I don't know. Everyone tried to ride that wave, which was going nowhere for a few weeks. So, yeah, Bruin like... and yeah, Bruin and Blas Perez are practically the same player as far as how they perform for a team. Because <laughs> you only get like a three-game window where they're spectacular, and then they're just crap for the rest of the time. Um, I think Bruin, what two out of his last three home games, uh, he did really well with a couple goals, and then he played Chicago at home, didn't do anything, and now he has back-to-back road games, and he is horrible on the road. Yeah, legitimately, that guy cannot play on the road. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, that sucks that your team's in that position where you have to have a negative four to get rid of him. I don't know why you couldn't just get rid of him outright because <laughs> he's he's not cheap. I mean, he's what eight point three. Um, but yeah, if you have to get a four to get rid of him, get rid of him because he's not going to do anything for you going forward. And the way some of these big forwards have been producing, you're going to make it back up real quick. Yeah. So next we have Rubrics with his question of what's our take on Benny since he's back this week playing Vancouver. We've already kind of touched on this with some of, of that, but he wants to know specifically get him now or just hold off and bring him back next week versus Montreal. Uh, you got to get him. If you can get him now, get him now. I mean, how many bye weeks has he had? And he's still the highest scoring player in the game. I mean, he's he's just above anybody else in the game as far as what he's capable of doing with bonus points to game in and game out. So um, even if they don't win the game in Vancouver this week, he's still going to get points for you. Um, without Zuzi there, he's going to be taking a lot more of the initiative. You definitely get all the free kicks. So, yeah, I think you got to take Fail Hubbard if you can get him. He's firing on all cylinders, and it's a travesty that he's not on the Gold Cup team. Get him. Yeah, get him. I don't know what you would... I don't know. I mean, again, if everything's perfect and fine, I wouldn't necessarily take a minus four for him unless you, you know, ha- unless you guess that your player might get a two or a three. I mean, Benny can easily do an eight. No problem. So, you know, even if your player's up to a four, it might be a, a good idea. But, um, yeah, he should be on everybody's roster until around 27. So our next question comes from... Gatam0826, I'm sorry if I just butchered your name, uh, but the question is just a simple best replacements for Keen slash Espindola other than Kamara. So we got a red card guy and a buy guy. Well, simple questions deserve simple answers. Um, David Villa or Higuain would be the two that I would go for. Villa's insane on form right now, and Higuain with the double game week. I think either of those are pretty good options. I'm assuming you already have Kamara. Otherwise, I don't know why you don't want him. But <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm just going to go with David Villa. I've had him for the last really long stretch here. I think he's he's Show done off. so well for me. Yeah, and I got a lot of heat for taking him. And, <laughs> well, look who me, yeah, yeah, that's all I'm saying. Villa's a, he's the man. And I'm a little concerned with Villa having a home game this week because 
Yankee Stadium sucks as a soccer field, but I think he, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna do something good for you. So yeah, I definitely echo the Via pick. I might also throw Namath in there. Might be a nice little little kind of sneaky differential pick that you might consider adding in there if you want a little bit of a risk. I would also Next throw one. Wright Phillips in there, except for the bye week coming up. If he didn't have that bye week coming up, um, you know, New England's pretty sketchy right now, so playing them at home, which I'll be taking a bus trip there for that. Hopefully it'll be good. Um, yeah, I think Wright Phillips could go off for sure. Next question comes from Perforce1, and the question is, what are your three best midfielders at the price of 9.2 or cheaper for the next two rounds at least? Go. So I made a little list here. I think uh, a couple of them are, are no-brainers. Finlay is, of course, I think one of the top midfielders in that range, if not in the entire game. And then uh, Maidana definitely makes my list because he's just a great creative player for Philly. Uh, if healthy, I would round that off with, with Lloyd Sam. Uh, but since he's kind of questionable right now, I'm going to also say Leggett, Leggett uh, from, from L.A. He has just had some fantastic numbers over these few weeks. And if L.A. is hitting their hot streak again, then, yeah, that's a guy I want to ride who is 6.5 million. I agree. Finlay, Madonna are the obvious picks that everyone should be going for in that price range. Perez Garcia, I don't know what's up with this undisclosed injury. If he's playing, then I think he's the third guy on that list. Um, barring that, I went with Ship, which is funny because I just told you not to get him. But if you are if you are going budget basement shopping, he's a consistent four. So you do worse. Yeah, I, I gotta echo that. I just gotta go with uh, <clears throat> Finlay and uh, Legit. I mean, Legit's got four goals in his last five games. I think he's at least earned himself a starting role for when you know the Gerard comes in. Looks like Villarreal is probably the one that is way out of the starting lineup, so yeah. I'm going to just go with uh, Finlay for sure because even without a double game week, he is in superior form and legit. Just remember, he has a bye this week, so don't go... Right, don't go grabbing him yet. <laughs> um, yeah, that's if you're looking at... Yeah, that's very fair. I forgot that second half of the question for next two games. That would be a, a game. Uh, an MPG would definitely make my list for if I did not have either of those two. Uh, our final question before we get into some more specialized questions that I, I liked this time is just very simple, best replacement from Fry. And I'm going to throw this out as kind of a, a weird thing. Let's say Fry's out for just one game and you have him. Would you be okay with not having a keeper play this week and just taking a zero? Mm, um, yeah, I almost would. If you have him and you don't want to take a negative four, and that's the thing with a keeper, is if you do take a negative four and a keeper is part of that mix, then you force yourself to have to get a clean sheet to make those points up. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, but the best replacement for him, I like Kouarase from Portland, um, but I, I, I like Silvestre more from uh, Philly, just because he's, what, 4.4? If you can't guarantee a clean sheet on any game this weekend, then why not get the cheapest guy possible just to have the potential for points and then calling it a day? Um, but, yeah, if you have to take a negative four to get rid of Fry, I would just take the zero, and that's and that's honest sentiment right there. Yeah, and that's even coming up 
Seattle is playing Chicago and then Colorado these next two weeks. Those are two great chances for shutouts for Seattle. But I, I mean, you're looking at burning a potential trade that you could use out in your field where you could get big points for hoping to get without bonus points, a six as a cap. Um, if you start getting that, that's with two points played four points for a clean sheet. I'd rather risk that on something else and just take to zero. Yeah, the only thing I'd say is if you don't have... Well, I think Sylvester is the best option for a backup keeper since he's so cheap. So if you don't already have him as your backup keeper, you could make a strategic move to make him your backup. And I, I should probably check when their bye weeks are, but whatever. Um, but yeah, other than that, I don't really... Nothing else strikes me. I mean, Alstead's a great keeper, but it's kind of a meh, you know. Not a great schedule. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Kennedy... Is a budget pick as well, but I'd still go with Silvestri over that. Yeah. Okay, so our next two questions uh, were longer when they were submitted to our fantasy MLS, but I thought they were really good. The first one is actually just a compilation of a bunch of questions. Everyone has been talking about the big news this week, and that is Lampard, Gerard, and Prelo are now in the game. They're all ten million. So everyone's on the buzz about, do I get him? Do we wait? What do we think? So let's just quickly, let's let's hear our, our ranks of those three guys. And then are you going to get him? Who do they pair up with? And just what? What do you think? These three guys. Um, if I'm going to rank them, I would go uh, Gerard first, uh, then Lampard, then Pirlo. And I, I think you got to go Gerard first just for the fact that he knows what his job is going to be coming in. And he's the only guy coming into that lineup. Um, with Pirlo and Lampard, you're going to have to look at... Now you got three superstars who are going to have to figure out the pecking order. And that might cause some issues with sharing points. Um, I think Gerard already knows that Keane is the out-and-out striker. Um, and he'll know what his job is going to be. I would pair Gerard with Keane. I wouldn't go crazy pairing somebody with Villa right away until you see what their minutes and what their production is going to be. You're not going to destabilize New York FC with this because they're they're already unstable as far as just the caliber of player they've been playing with, and I think it's going to be a a bigger game for LA than it's going to be a detraction. So, I think LA is the way to go on this one for now. I could not agree more. I I would rank the same way, uh, mostly because with Prelo, I know nothing about him. I I do not follow soccer over in that area at all so i know nothing about his record um, but gerard i think he will come in and be able to have one of the smoothest transitions from premier league to mls or from any league to mls that we've seen i think he'll immediately be on set plays and i think he's going to be able to provide distribution to players in in a very very quick and productive way for la I like Gerard the best out of all of them as far as fantasy points go. I think he's going to get the most bonus points from crosses and CBIs. I also think LA is going to be slightly more stable just as they are in general than New York City. Um, I think he's also the most likely to get goals, but he's also the most likely to get yellow cards. So oh, really? Take a few little bumps there. He had like, I think, seven or something last year. I'm making that up. I, I looked it up. It's something like that. Um, I don't. I didn't write it down. Um, 
but I don't think he plays until round 20. I don't think he starts this week. I think Lampard's the only player that is actually likely to play this week. Correct. Um, Lampard's the oldest. I think he maybe scores more goals than Gerard, but I don't think he'll get more bonus points. I think he'll be a more spotty player. Pirlo, I don't think, is going to be a great fantasy player. Maybe I'm wrong. I think he's the most exciting player out of the bunch. I think he's a great playmaker. He's less likely to get goals, though, but he's going to be crazy fun to watch. But I don't think he starts until the till round 21. I'm yeah, also Pirlo, to... Go ahead. I was going to say, he's only played five of the last 14 matches um, where he was this season. So I don't, I don't know if there's a reason for that. Maybe because he's old. They're all old, 35, 36, 37. So, I don't know. Yeah, Pirlo, he's, he's going to be more... I mean, he has some of the best free kicks in the world that you're ever going to see. I mean, he's that's his job. He's a spot kick taker. Um, and, you know, this la- the second goal that Villa scored this week was off a free kick. So if Pirlo is in that situation and you're bringing him in to be the spot the spot taker, then Villa's going to lose points and Pirlo has to make that goal. But yeah, it's not like he's going to get up and down the field and get you a ton of attacking bonus or he's not going to run back and, and be a great defender for you. So if, if, if he's not scoring off a of set plays, it's going to be hard for Pirlo to find a lot of open open play goals. As far as pairing up, I don't. I never do that. Season. Sorry. Pardon. I I, don't know, I heard some echo. I guess sorry. Um, so I was saying I, I I don't really ever pair players. I I look at each player individually. I don't usually try to stack one team predicting that they'll do well. That's never worked out for me. So. So I want you mentioned earlier about Gerard and his some yellow cards he was getting this last season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering if that's just his character as a player or just some frustrations from your final season with your long-term team that's not really doing as well as you had hoped it would be just coming out at the end. Or if we really think that he has that many problems with getting cautions. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't look back past this year. Um, I really don't know. I mean, I don't really follow European soccer that much anyway. I'm an MLS guy. Oh, well, you should. <laughs> uh, I, I enjoy watching when I can, but... So I'm a huge... Everton fan. So for me, Gerard coming over just pisses me off. Because um, I, I can't stand the guy. I've, I've watched every Everton game, every single Everton game probably over the last four years. I haven't missed one. Um, and Liverpool Everton is just so contentious. So it's, he's got the skill. Um, and he really isn't that hot-headed. I don't... There was some frustration this year with the, with the coaching situation and he wasn't allowed to play in certain big games that he wanted to play in, so I think mm-hmm. that's going to be a little bit of an anomaly. I think he'll come in and just kind of clean slate. He'll, he'll have a good head, but I still... It's fantasy, so I'm going to pick him up at some point, but I still hate the guy. <laughs> well, I do not feel that harshly against him, but it seems like we all at least agree that Gerard is definitely the guy to look at of the three that are coming in, so keep an eye on him with your future team planning. So our second focused discussion topic uh, comes mostly from Midnight Sun Eliter, and he has suggested a few little alternate rules that he wanted to get our opinions on, and I thought a couple of them are pretty good, worth worth mentioning and talking it over. So he wants to know, what are our thoughts of having these changes made to Fantasy MLS next year? First one is having crosses and key passes being to combined together 
to award three for the total. So kind of like CBIs, but having such a, a C and KP, I guess. Having that all together count for every three is one point. Second is having the same thing for defensive points. He actually wants to combine CBIs and recoveries, so I guess CBIRs, and have that be six equals one. And then he wants to have a defending bonus point added for every save made by a defender. Now, when I read this, I take that to be more like goal line saves or just something in that sort of situation. And finally, he says, how about we get one attacking bonus point for every two shots on target? So for the first two, I mean, it's really the same question across, you know, attacking versus defense bonus points. And that's something we can actually look at the numbers. Um, if you did those rules and change it for the season as it is now, the average player who played over half the game, so if they played 45 minutes in a game, it would count towards this. Um, it would go from 4.05 to 4.44. So it's a fairly significant increase in points. If you break it down by who benefits the most, you know, the defenders get a huge bump. Um, they're already ahead of forwards and midfielders. Goalkeepers get the most average points. Um, I'm kind of okay with that, and I guess number four... If shots on target, it's that's that's a harder one. I mean, it's tracked who has the most shots on target per season, but I wasn't going to go through and try to figure out every single game. It's not tracked as far as um, fantasy score, so I don't have it in my backlog of data. So maybe if that bumped them up to be a little bit closer, I would be okay with number four. For the defending bonus point on every save, I, how many? I don't know how often does that actually happen where a defender, you know, clears one off the line. I mean. I don't know. It's hard to say without knowing how often it happens, but I already think defenders have enough advantage as it is compared to attackers. Like they, I feel like they get tons of CBIs and recoveries as it is this year. Um, I, I guess it would be interesting to break down even further to see how... If you change these rules, most of it's going to go to the big players anyway. We're going to see the same thing. We're going to see you know, the attacking points and defensive points still go into fail harbors and other players like that. So it's not going to open up this huge swath of of mediocre players who might be a little bit better. We'll all get a few points here and there, but eh, I don't think it's going to make a difference. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think that there's players in fantasy soccer that are just never utilized because they don't get any bonus points. So I would think of somebody like maybe like a Diego Chara from Portland. A defensive midfielder who is integral to the game but has no fantasy value. Um, I think if you kind of adjusted some of those CBI numbers and some of those recoveries, um, he might be a more relevant player. And then if you look at daily fantasy, um, a lot of those guys have stats like fouls one and and sometimes like passes one or passes completed or something. So like even though Nagby just scored a goal and assist two games ago, you, you wouldn't have him on your team because he's not a good fantasy player. But in a daily fantasy setting, he's the most fouled player in the league. So his stock is really high in that kind of a setting. So there are some adjustments I would like to see for, for some of those players who aren't going to get goals but who you still root for and you should know about if you're a soccer fan. So there are some changes they could make, I think, and I think this is a good way to do it. I really like what Jason made the comment earlier about seeing how it affects the different positions because I think that's what we have to be considering when any kind of rule changes happen is to not get that balance 
depending on how you look at it, more out of whack than you think it already is, or causing a disparity between these positions that make it totally unappealing to even have a lot of, of different players and just try to stock up on those guys getting the bonus points. Uh, I like the crosses and key passes combined idea. I feel like that's something that uh, they complement each other and that a single player at maybe the midfield or the forward or those bombing up defenders like we know about, I think that would work with both of them. I, I like that combination. I don't like the combination of CBIs with recoveries. It tends to be, of course, CBIs are favoring those big center backs and your defenders. Recoveries actually really help set goalkeepers apart. If you're looking at the stats that that account most for who's getting the most, most uh, I guess, outside of your standard deviations, it's, it's recoveries that I've seen that really set the goalkeepers apart. So I'd like to see those two things be separate. I agree that the defending bonus points for a save, kind of a weird idea. Like I said, in my mind, it seems like a goal line save or one of those big clutch situations would make it very rare. And they do get bonus points already. I would also feel bad giving a defender one point for every save when it takes a goalkeeper three saves to get a point. Uh, but not not a fan of that one. I would definitely love to see something like I was talking about, adding in a, a passes completed. I think that could help maybe some of the defensive midfielders. They get a lot of stuff built up there in the back, and having a passes completed stat could be something to maybe boost their stock in, in the fantasy world. And I definitely like the idea of shots on target. I, I think forwards do have a hard time generating some bonus points unless they are one of those rare forwards that will pass sometimes. But rewarding a forward or anybody for shots on target, I, I think, would be a nice, nice little change. Uh, I really like these. These are these are good. And like Guy was saying, daily fantasy is a good place to draw some ideas from when when these changes happen. Maybe we can get Travis on here next week to crunch some of those numbers. I think maybe one of the thing, like when you look at Keen this week, we got 17 points. People start to complain um, when they look at. How did a guy get three goals and not a single attacking bonus? Um, and I think the one thing that the EPL League does better is that you can see how their bonus point structure was broken down, even though they're rewarded differently. Um, I think maybe the MLS needs to be a little more transparent as far as making those stats easier to see per player. Um, because there is a reason why Keane didn't get an attacking bonus. He doesn't pass the ball. But it would help for people to understand that because a lot of people still think that these attacking and defending bonuses are just some mythical thing that are just randomly assigned to players. Um, and that would, that would go a long way. If people knew how and why these were being assigned, I think it would go a long way to kind of stem some of this conversation. You're talking about for MLS because I feel that way about the EPL. Like it's just three guys in a room who with their cigars and, and cognac deciding on how these, these points are going to get allotted for, for player performance. At least with MLS, we have the rules that say this is how a bonus point is generated. I, I love MLS's point system miles above the EPL system. Anything? Really? See, I'm, I'm exactly the opposite. I, w I wish that we could have just – Three, two, and one bonus points for the I, best I players. I do not believe that the EPL system rewards players for performing their job and their position well, and the MLS system does that, and it's it's so much better in my mind. It's goals or nothing with EPL. Goals, assists, or nothing with EPL. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I'd have to disagree on that. I think I think it's it's in the EPL. It's when a player is playing the, a great game. Um, 
the, the goals count towards the bonus points, whereas a goal doesn't count toward an attacking bonus in MLS. So what um, happens? You, you have so Baines, who plays his just hard out, does an incredible job. Unfortunately, he doesn't get any set plays that connect or anything like that, but he just plays it as a fantastic defensive job, doesn't get a clean sheet. One goal goes through. He gets two points. No matter how many CBIs or anything he gets, two points. Is no, that fair? I, I, I see, and that's what I like, though. I like that. <laughs> I like I that. Because now, of know, course, to be fair, I can't imagine a game where Baines does incredibly well that he doesn't get some sort of goal or, or crossing or something. But it, it just doesn't work for my my example here. Yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's just <clears throat> I have a hard time tracking down certain advanced metric stats for MLS because it's just the way you got to go in and out of the of the screen. I don't. To me, it's not it's not user friendly. I think people, but I go find them. I still have to write about, so I find them. But I think the casual player in the MLS isn't actively going through and figuring out why Robbie Keane didn't get more than what he got for having such an outstanding game. So they go to MLSFantasyBiz.com. And Just make your own website. It's easy. Yeah. <laughs> Stop by Reddit. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's, I don't know. I just, I just, I love this system so much more. I just want to say one more thing about the shots on target. If they did do that, it would reward all of us who buy the big, num big name players. So, if you look at um, MLS's stats for shots on goal, you got Gio with 39, David Villa 32, Kamara 32, Rivero 25, BWP 24, and then it starts dropping below the 20s there. Kaká, Nagel, Ralph, Wando. You know, it, it drops pretty quick after that. So you're not going to find all these forwards who, if you make a choice where they weren't getting goals already, that it's going to all of a sudden be kind of worth it. You know, it, it's just going to reward the big players anyway, and I don't think you're going to see whatever whatever your hope is for these bonus points. I just I don't think it's going to change the the players we choose personally. And still, it might make it easier to suffer through one of those guys when oh you may have a starting forward who gets a week of two points because he didn't score. Yeah. But if maybe he had a couple shots on target, you end up with a four or a five, so it makes it a little bit at least easier to stomach. Well, so let's look at an average on the edge forward you might pick up as a budget player. So let's look at Charlie Davies. Anything below him is 14. They've all played 19 games, 15 games. That averages out to one per game. Is he getting those two in a game? I don't know because I, I don't have this tracked per game. But I just don't see anyone but the big players actually getting more than two in a game. I don't know how they count them, but I just don't see it happening that often. Even Dempsey yeah. only has 13. Is that possible? A lot of those shots go over the goal. Anyway. Okay, well, we've had a lot of great discussion tonight. I loved it. We'll try to make these little focus questions uh, a bit more of a reoccurring event here on the show. So let's just get right into the big thing now. Who are your player picks for this coming week? Start with uh, keepers and defenders with you, Jason. Sorry, one second. I did not prepare for this part. Um, and as a special, uh, since Simon couldn't join us, he went ahead and sent me an email with his picks, so we'll not be making them up for him this week like we did last week, but we actually have a script for him. <laughs> so um, I like Kansas City. Pick any Kansas City defender. I think they're going to be super reliable. Um, as far as goalkeepers, I don't really care about keepers. I like Ousted. I like Fry when he's not injured, and... Um, the Philly keeper as a backup. For defenders, I would say Beasley and Ellis. They're defenders, right? Yeah. That's yeah. where I'm at. 
No, I think um, I think you're kind of on that. There is uh, obviously Casey's a quality team, um, but yeah, as far as goalkeepers go, they're not getting a ton of defending bonuses. There are a lot of blocked penalty kicks this year for some reason. That's kind of skewing the numbers for goalkeepers. But I mean, there's nothing wrong with Silvestre getting two points in an effort for 4.4 and freeing up your your funds elsewhere. Um, Fry's good, but just just keep keep the keepers and defenders to a minimum, and don't don't look to trade them in and out, left and right. Just grab somebody you feel comfortable with for a few weeks and and go with it. Yeah, definitely. I I still have to say that I like Miazga. Uh, I like Simon still in the keeper. Keep an eye out for Axel Holber, Holberry because he should be coming around soon. Uh, I'm kind of over Woodbury now. I guess that's that's just a budget guy that's not really paying off so well for me anymore. And of course, the week that I trade him off, uh, we have a, a a goal from from Mears. So that's that's someone that I think is still worth keeping an eye on. He's he's doing some good things over there in Seattle. Simon says that he likes Gehrig for defense. Uh, as a budget pick, and uh, he still likes Simon too. Interesting choice there, Simon. So let's just move on down to midfielders now. So for me, I think it's Guy's turn, actually. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. <clears throat> midfielders. Here. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Jivinka one more week. Um, I think he's still the best player in the game. Um, Finlay obviously is a must uh, with his single game performances and a double game week coming up. You got to have Finlay and Valeri now proved that he's a 90 minute player. Um, he was trusted to play the whole game. He did get the secondary assist in the last game. So um, with a fully healthy Portland squad, uh, I think that he could be a really great player for your fantasy team going forward. Yeah, Finlay, Fellhaber, Maidana, all in great form, all looking awesome. Um, MPG, if he's not injured, I don't know what's up with that. Um, I like seeing Castillo and Diaz like getting points again. I don't know, there's a lot to be excited about in the midfield right now. Would you drop one of those two players to bring in Vinny back? Um, no. I, did, I will be bringing him back just because it works into my math for... Dropping Geo and fixing a problem in the leftover money works out for Fail Harbor. That's what I need. So, but if you had any one of those players, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be worried about making a move yet. Yeah, I have to say I agree. Benny and Finlay are are some fantastic guys to have this week at midfield. Um, I was very pleased with Valeri, what I saw from him last week. So he's definitely one that I've been keeping an eye on as he's been recouping. And so I've been hoping that he comes back to play as well. So yeah, I think you guys have hit all the big ones to consider. So that just leaves... Oh, Simon. Simon says for midfield, he is all about Benny. So he's definitely in agreement with there. And then it comes down to forwards. I I am bowing to the vision of, of Guy at this point, and I would say yes, uh, David Villa is, is a forward that definitely needs to be on the radar for people. And Kamara are the two that I think are just no-brainers for this round. Yeah, I'd throw out... Uh, I agree with those. Um, Keen, if he wasn't on a bye. 
um, Higuain with the double game week coming up. And for a budget pick, I would probably go with Sapong. He's got a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Going, you know. So if you need to put money elsewhere, the problem is you know having the trades to do it. I don't think he's quite worth using a minus four on anything. But if he worked in, if you were trying to bring in an expensive midfielder and you had to get rid of uh, whatever that Jack is, that Jack has that plays at DC. I don't want to say his name right now. <laughs> God, he really hosed me this week. Um, anyway, yeah, you know that might be a good option actually that I didn't think about before. Bringing in Sapong, spending some money in the midfield where. I think is a good place to spend it right now. Yeah, that that has been fun for for like I think I got completely DC free like three weeks ago, and to see everybody still holding on to certain DC players and just being crushed week after week after week. Um, I'm not I'm not dancing on your ashes there. It's just I just I love him. I can't help it. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why because he's, he's gonna be my fantasy savior. I know it. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still believe. Uh, yeah, no, David V has been uh, great to me. Uh, I think I'm going to stick with him. Um, <clears throat> oh, I'm, hashtag I still believe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go with Kamara this week just because um, every team in the top ten had Kamara and Keane. So it's it's easy to look at ownership as part of the whole game, but when you look at the ownership of like the best teams in the in the league – 100% ownership means something. So even though I don't believe in Kamara a whole lot with Finlay really getting in the attack and Iguain always getting some some shots, I'm going to have to add him just to keep pace. Um, and then once he's back, I'm going to get Keen again next week. So I'm going to have kind of a, a three-headed attack. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go from a 3-5-2 into a 3-4-3 for the next future, foreseeable future here. Just got to say about Finlay, I think last week Columbus was sitting at the second best home goal scoring percentage in the entire league. And now that Montreal crapped out, I, I think that they, maybe they're right there at the top, but Finlay in the last four games has three assists and three goals. So if, if there's points coming for Columbus, Finlay is going to be involved. And I'm using this as a segue right into our next section for must-have players. And I think Finlay and Benny are the two guys on my list that you got to have for this round. Ooh, see, I, I like Benny, um, but I'm not going to completely blow up my team at this point to get him. So my only must-have right now is Finlay. Um, Valeri's expendable to me. Giovinco's expendable. Um, Finlay with the double game week coming up, that's the one guy I got to make sure I keep for the next two weeks. And then after that, I think it goes more toward Keen, Gerard via triangle yeah. for me. So, yeah, I pretty much agree with that. Finlay, definitely Keen when he's back. Failhaber is more of a long-term must-have. Don't make any crazy moves to get him. But um, that leads into the next question of the current captain pick, which is for me, Failhaber. I need a security blanket. I need something to make me feel warm and fuzzy that I know is going to pay off, and Failhopper's my guy. I'm captaining him, and I'm going to be happy. Yeah, I think I'm going to captain Via this week, but I could be talked out of it just because Via doesn't always do great at home. Um, I can't see myself captaining Giovinco. Even though I know he'll do better than two points, it's really between Via and Valeri right now, and it's 60-70% via, so. 
I'm I'm still undecided uh, right now. I I like Finlay a lot. Uh, I'm considering him maybe for a captain since Toronto or since Montreal has been kind of struggling right now. Um, but Benny is up there as as one of my two guys that I'm I'm looking at for a captain. But the captain's poll is posted at r slash fantasy MLS. So if you have thoughts on who your captain's going to be, feel free to go there, share them with others, comment on what other people are thinking, and be sure to vote in who is the captain for round 19. So that wraps it up for our player picks. We're going to quickly wrap up this show with our community time uh, with the MLS FI head-to-head league for the hosts. Uh, everybody here lost. Not, nothing to see. Just... Move along, move along. Uh, so that takes us to the R Fantasy MLS League. And the top scorer this week goes to Alfredo Mejia. And he is the manager of of Alfredo, Real Alfredo at SC. So he had 103 points. That's great. I think that was 10 points off the top. I believe 113 was the highest scoring this round. So awesome job, Alfredo. Congratulations. You did very well. Uh, I, I love these. Score. I love these first rounds of the month. Like I can just easily sort by top score for the month, and I and I find it. So it makes it makes my job so much easier. So I that's can, all that we had. Sorry, oh, go ahead. I can make a page for you that'll just dump all that out. I would love you for that. Because <laughs> that really takes up so much time trying to figure out who has the highest score. And I want to do a good job. I, I go through several pages because I don't want to miss somebody who maybe they didn't do so well at the beginning of the month, but they did gangbusters at the end. So, yes, thank you so much. You betcha. Uh, so that's all that we have for the show today. Thanks for struggling through it as we kind of bounced around a little bit with with the differing schedules that life tends to to hand us. Uh, I want to give everybody a chance, though. Any any plugs before we end? Not yeah, really. I'm, uh, I'm going to do uh, my site, Pretty Fantastic, and uh, my weekly columns at Fantasy Football 24-7 and FPL Bet. Yeah, I don't really have anything. I guess there is some work going on behind the scenes for the Viz website. There should be some upgrades soon, hopefully. So hopefully awesome. fun stuff to see in the next few, maybe, weeks. I don't know. And, of course, for me, uh, keep checking out MLS Fantasy Boss. Uh, we got some good contributors that are there now trying to build our, our database for people who like to give great stats. There is the live chat. I, of course, will have my picks going out with MLS Soccer this round. Uh, and then a couple of fun things. If you guys have a player that you still believe in, your hashtag, I still believe, go ahead and send a tweet with that. Don't don't let Jason be here alone with, with his lone DC player. Uh, just send them out there. Send me a tweet of the player that you still have on your team. For me, it's probably Woodbury at this point of just, I still believe that, that he's going to do something for me. But let us know who your still believe player is. Hashtag that one up. And then I will be at the MLS All-Star game in a few weeks at the end of this month. So if anybody's going to be there, let me know. Perhaps we could hook up during halftime or just sometime before the game. Might be fun to meet some of you guys. I'd love to get any input. And maybe take some pictures and we'll start a some sort of picture account and tweet these things out. I don't know. It could be fun, but let us know and it'll be a good time. So thank you so much for everyone and good luck.